to see Bedford. Daryl Hammond <laughs> for 12 seasons. <laughs> Horatio Sands. Inevitably, it goes to Horatio. Yeah, but you have to. <laughs> it's just a fun one to say. Right? Now, now if he was on the show, it would be Horatio Sands. The alcoholism. Hey, welcome to the 12th episode of the Outback Cast. I'm Steve Cuff, and joining me as always, Adam Myros. Howdy. Sean Glynis. Hi, listener. And Stephen Love Train Coleman. I'm winking at you. <laughs> I bet you are. I gotta turn you up again because you got kicked off. Yeah, Steve, it was weird. You got you got booted after I called you Love Train, and so it was it was just kind of this really long, awkward pause. Yeah, not my, pleasant. Not pleasant. My computer but, came. <laughs> I was <laughs> just basking in the afterglow. Uh, this week is a very important week. Uh, I think it's it's without question the most important week in the history of our podcast and possibly in the history of cinema. This week marks the release of Paul Blart, Mall Cop 2, which for our loyal listeners, we've been counting down the days. Uh, I actually I made a homemade advent calendar uh, <laughs> counting down to the day when I got to see Paul Blart 2. And uh, my, oh my, it, it did not disappoint. But I figured before we jump into that, maybe we should talk a little more broadly about Kevin James, who is a very interesting, I suppose, comedic figure. Uh, got his big break probably on the sitcom King of Queens, which, if you've never seen it, uh, it's mostly innocuous. It can probably best be summarized as at everybody loves Raymond. Is that is that fair? Yep, exactly. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, it's like if you haven't seen it, you've seen it. it <laughs> there's <laughs> yeah. about thirty of the exact same sitcom that came out that era. But I believe fine. my uh, yeah my my back of the box uh, DVD quote was it's no soul man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's yeah it's just generally inoffensive. Yeah, I was I was uh, doing a little research. It, it, Anyone have a guess as to how many episodes of King of Queens aired? Wasn't it on for like nine seasons, eight seasons? It, it has 209 episodes. Holy shit! Yeah, my That's God. That's crazy. Well, especially it's, when you consider like... Oh, what was that, Steve? Go ahead. Cajun bucks. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, especially when you consider like the threshold for syndication and like success for a television show was about 100 episodes. Right. So that means it, it's like a huge runaway hit, which I never would have thought. But I guess it's it's just okay enough. And now, correct me if I'm wrong. Is it is it a spinoff of Everybody Loves Raymond? Because I know Kevin James spent some time as a character on that show as well. Is it is it the same character? It's a very loose spinoff, um, from what I seem to remember. Uh, yeah, he would play the delivery guy on Everybody Loves Raymond. I think Ray Romano takes a little bit of credit for discovering Kevin James. Mm-hmm. Okay. And Adam Saylor takes credit for ruining Kevin James. <laughs> yeah, I, I did some research for this podcast uh, by watching every single 206 episodes. 
209. You missed three. Not, yeah, uh, shoot. <laughs> Sorry, I'll be, I'll be back in an hour and a half. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's pretty awful. And it's weird that they would spin it off like that, too, because... Uh, and I shouldn't say it's pretty awful. It's pretty uneventful. It's pretty forgettable. But it is weird as a spinoff. It'd be like if, if Seinfeld decided to spin off like Newman's character or something like that. I, actually, I think that would be a little bit more compelling. Yeah. It, well, <laughs> well, that's a more prominent character, frankly. I think Kevin James is just one of those like it was almost like a soft launch type deal where he just kind of pops up like for two episodes or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, so you know, he, he kind of. Made his mark there, and then he sort of moved into movies. Uh, he had a role in Hitch with Will Smith, which is a that's a pretty big break, and that was a fairly successful movie. I've seen Hitch. I remember not liking Hitch, but I cannot remember a single thing about Hitch. It's well, it's becoming a TV show, I believe, right? Wow, that must have been more successful than I thought. Is is Kevin James or Will Smith involved in the television show, or is it just they're just Double. using the power of the Hitch franchise? I'm guessing neither. <clears throat> I mean, now, it's like it's like ten years later or something. Jesus. <laughs> so it's just like mid forties hitch, like the, the the commercials for like agingcouples.com or whatever the fuck. <laughs> Find your fifty plus match. Well, uh, I had I had heard Kevin James is supposedly returning to television. I I don't know that it involves hitch in any way, but maybe. Who knows? That's weird because I feel like he. Maybe you guys can disagree with me or not, but I feel like he has transcended his TV career. Yeah, is television now? I don't know. Maybe. I mean, there's there's already there's there's already a new fat guy on the block taking his domestic, uh, you know, role in in television series. Ooh, that Melissa Mike McCarthy? and Molly guy. Yeah, <laughs> Melissa McCarthy. No, Mister <laughs> Mr. McCarthy. Who's who's the guy? Oh right, right, right. I think that guy was probably on King of Queens. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> How shallow is the is the television sitcom cesspool? Quite shallow. Oh God. You know, speaking uh, of that guy, um, his name, by the way, is Billy Gardell. Um, he had this um, comedy special on Showtime. I think it was about a year ago. Where it was mm-hmm. like called the Road Comics, and it's all these road comics. So these guys who have never succeeded in stand-up comedy, basically, <laughs> um, play places you know like. Billings, Montana, for like 20 people at a bar. Um, he had them all do this special, and it was the worst comedy special I've ever seen. <laughs> Why? Well, I, I mean, the premise itself seems a little bit short-sighted. Like, hey, let's do an entire comic special about unsuccessful comedians. That <laughs> yeah, it's like Billy Gardell and the Road Dogs, I think it was called. Jesus Christ. Do you remember who else was on it at all, Steve? No. (laughs) (laughs) Well, hey, there you go. um, Unfortunately, I don't, listeners, but uh, that's because it was so underwhelming. And, uh, but yeah, maybe uh, don't look it up. Just forget I said anything. (laughs) Just just forget. Just forget like the rest of the world has already. Uh, Yeah. uh, A little IMDBing does indeed reveal that Billy Gardell was uh, featured in in a 2000 episode of The King of Queens. (laughs) There we go. And more prominently in the, uh, the seminal... Uh, yes, dear, with uh, Mike. Oh yeah, O'Malley. Yeah, <laughs> he was he was a good friend. Yeah, it's he like was six degrees of Ray Romano. Right, yeah. the, those CBS sitcoms. They, it was like a connected. It was like an MCU for. <laughs> Maybe they'll come out with another sitcom that reveals that all of their uh, previously successful sitcoms exist in the same universe. Mm-hmm. Like do a Marvel thing. 
Well, that's what I meant by MCU. And oh, I, I wasn't, I wasn't yeah. saying anything. Sorry. Go over and, here. Uh, Pat Oswalt wrote all of them. Oh, God. So, <laughs> so 40 how, about, how about they spin off uh, <laughs> a CBS sitcom where they just use Pat Oswalt's Twitter account and just have people reenact his, uh, his Twitter spats? They already do that with shit my dad says. <laughs> oh, yeah, they did do that. What happened to that? That didn't go very far. I think CBS just forgot about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably not a good idea to base an entire television series on a uh, on a Twitter account. That's, well, that's that. Shatner's just sitting in the studio waiting for them to say action. <laughs> so if we're if we're kind of talking about Kevin James's Genesis, mm-hmm. um, I've seen Hitch quite a few times. Um, it's just like sort of your easy to digest romantic comedy. Um, mm-hmm. As long as you don't think too hard or at all about its gender politics and basically it's Will Smith telling guys to n- don't take no for an answer. Oh, that's uh, that's that's good. Uh but Kevin James in it, it it just plays like his typical Kevin James self like before he was given like the spotlight so he's not he's not like showboating. Mm-hmm. Um he's just sort of being the goofy um the goofy fat guy who eats hot dogs and makes a mess. Um, he does that quite well. Yeah, so, so I mean, he's fine in it, but uh, you just tell him not to wear white dress shirts. <laughs> yep, yep, uh, that's it. It's a good but, reoccurring Paul Blart joke. <laughs> you, can't, you can't wear white shirts because fat people in food. Ha 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 ha. But or, uh, spray tans, those spray yeah. tans will get you. Yeah. Uh, Hitch, Hitch, is, Hitch is the uh, the most overt, like, I, I guess it perpetuates it from uh, King of Queens, but it's the most overt um, part, text of his his career that is a uh, uh, fat guy who's good enough for a petite, attractive white woman. Yeah, that that's that seems to be a big part of his career, actually. I think oh, that's boy. every single role he's ever had. <laughs> See, I, my supplementary material was Zookeeper, and where he lands Rosario Dawson. <laughs> That's Jesus what I'm likely right. <laughs> so what? I guess I I think uh, maybe you guys can disagree with me on this as well, but uh, Paul Blart maybe two more than one uh, sort of subverts that part of his career. Yeah, it it, it kind of does. And before we jump into that, though, I I really want to talk about. Paul Blart won yeah. because I don't think any of us realize how success how successful Paul, Paul I can't talk how successful Paul Blart one was. What, what are the DVD numbers on that thing? I I can tell you this: it earned one hundred and eighty million dollars worldwide mm-hmm. in the box office. At the box office, <laughs> which is just a, that is a gaudy amount of money. It was a sleeper hit, man. It must have been. I, I can't. I like. I had no idea, especially when you consider how just incredibly abysmal of a movie it is. Well, I think um, you can consider the fact that it was released in like early January of 2000. Right. Right. Okay. Yeah. So it was a dumpuary movie. There was nothing else to see. People like Kevin James from television. So it's just like perfect storm, maybe. Yeah, the doldrums of the post-holiday season. People yeah. laugh. More like, more like perfect snow. Which, you know, given the, the pedestrian numbers of Paul Blart 2 so far, uh, I, I think, yeah, Perfect Storm is probably the best way to describe it. Um, so it, from Perfect Storm to Perfect Snore, can I get that joke? Ah, ha, 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 ha. 
<laughs> Comedic home run. <laughs> you know, you should write a Kevin James movie. Wait, wait, wait. Can I digress for one second? I'm sure, sorry. go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm IMDBing here, which is a bad idea. But uh, the character of Doug Heffernan, his King of Queens character, uh, actually his first credited appearance on IMDB is on the the second Cosby show, the Dougie Doug. <laughs> what? He's on the, the Dougie Doug Cosby show? Yeah, he's credited as Doug Heffernan in both. Cosby and Everybody Loves Raymond. So he's the same character in both. So is he yeah. is he like the Hawkeye of CBS sitcoms? Right. Yeah. I guess this is well, this is I strange. I, I just thought this was noteworthy. Cosby. Maybe uh, King of Queens is actually a second Cosby show spinoff. Well, I seem to remember uh, Ray Romano making appearances on that Cosby show too. Uh, and yes, I did watch it. <laughs> <laughs> he's just a he's a CBS sitcom vagabond. Mm. Hey, Bill. Hey. I'm sorry for that digression, but it just seemed noteworthy to me. No, I, I had I had no idea these things were so interrelated. And maybe that's the CBS formula too, is they use their established stars to try and pop up or prop up uh, piles of garbage. So you know, NBC used to do that too. And uh, I also always think I was going to mention how uh, Kevin James is the Carl Winslow of uh, the uh, CBS universe. Uh, oh. Winslow showed up in uh, Perfect Strangers, and then we had Family Matters two weeks later. And yeah, so yeah, Die Hard he plays basically the exact same character too. Exactly, which brings us full circle because uh, we're we're back to Blart here. And Reginald Bell Johnson was one of the the names that that came to mind. Is why the hell didn't they just throw a a few thousand dollars at this gentleman to spice it up and actually draw a parallel with Die Hard? Yeah, I'd well, rather have Carl Winslow than. Uh, Kevin James, any day of the week. Well, I mean, not to star. I just figured, you know, when the police roll up outside, I was half expecting in your diehard parody for... It's not like Val Johnson's really doing a ton these days. You'd think they'd just be like, and look, hey, remember Die Hard? It's, it's Val Johnson. Oh, is he alive? Spent... He's got to be alive. Probably... I don't think Reginald Val Johnson is alive. He's alive. He was just in a bunch of Tim and Eric stuff. Like Wait, I think, I, uh, guys, I think... Uh, I think... Paul Bart won. They spent all their money on getting Rick Thorne. Oh, yeah, that that could definitely be it. Well, you know what they spent all their money on is everyone's favorite uh, MTV X Games host. <laughs> there was a lot of X Games nonsense going on in Paul Blart. Uh, I would say that's probably get into yeah. Let's let's get it. Let's get into it then. Let's talk about it. Let's do it. Okay, Paul Blart. I think the best way to, to sort of summarize what it is is it's. Uh, Rob Schneider's The Animal meets a Die Hard parody. Is that is that fair? Sure. <laughs> I'm done with that. I, honestly, the the I I want I want to I I didn't think I'd ever say this. I want to go back and watch the first 15 minutes of Rob Schneider's The Animal because I'm pretty sure that the script is identical for the first 15 minutes. Just yeah, Rob so Schneider failing the police test. In in both in both uh of the Paul Blarts, like the first like five minutes of complete exposition sort of washed over me. So for the first one, can somebody like uh, clue me in on, on what is the backstory with his his past relationship? He's okay. This is this is where it gets weird because Paul Blart's a little bit racist, uh, <laughs> just a smidge throughout the day. Uh, he's apparently he met a uh, a, a a woman from Mexico. Who married him and uh, had had a child with him, <laughs> and then promptly left him so she could get citizenship after they were together. And then uh, 
So there's a there's a there's a brief picture of him with this wife, and they're like riding a horse or something, and she's like, it, it just looks like they doubled Paul Blart's body and then put like a, a Mexican woman's head on it. Okay, so this this stuck out to me as like one of the prominent like screenwriting blunders in this movie. Like, you want to establish pathos with with Blart, right? He's our protagonist. Uh, <laughs> the standard way one goes about doing it in this sort of film is just make him a, a fucking widower, for God's sake. Yeah. Uh, instead, they they couldn't resist making this jackass Adam Sandler joke about how he was he was uh, married to a giant fat Mexican who dumped him for a green card wedding and uh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah, it's it's Ball Blart is is actually it's got a lot of like right wing politics running underneath it, which is kind of weird. Say, it's part of that happy Madison family and I swear to God for the last fifteen years, if not the entire time they've existed, they hate women. Yeah. They they oh, definitely who? hate women. Oh yeah. This movie's pretty rough with that. <laughs> yeah. Definitely hates women. Wait, 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 wait. Who hates women? Uh the Happy Madison production <laughs> Adam, oh, yeah. Adam, <laughs> Adam Sandler at <et> all. <laughs> Um, I, when I was so when I was watching this uh, <clears throat> Paul Blart one, um, I couldn't help. I don't know if anybody else has seen um, Togetherness. Um, yes, I books. actually just watched it. Mm-hmm. Okay, I've seen it as well. Good. Uh, I couldn't help but think about the character in that who's going to be an actor but is trying to avoid <laughs> being the goofy soft guy. Um, when he, you know, he's auditioning, or they want him to audition to be basically what is Paul Blart. Um, I don't know. Does that make sense to 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 you guys that have seen it? Yeah, yeah. Obviously, the man made a fatal career decision because Kevin James is just rolling in that damn green right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Jesus Maybe. Christ. So, so Paul Blart. We we start off with this exposition where we find where we find out that he lives with his mother. Um, he's got a, a teenage daughter. He fails the New Jersey State Trooper test uh, because fat. And no, not because fat. He was up. <laughs> he was hypoglycemia. He was like doing goddamn backflips through the obstacle course, and he was dominating. And then he passed out at the finish line. Yeah. Because does he have does he have fucking narcolepsy? No, no he has hypoglycemia. Which Somehow they're tied. You pass yeah. out completely if you don't like eat candy twenty four seven. You would think they do something with that again. Like, this is, like, your comedic beat. He's hypoglycemic. He should be carrying, like, fucking M&Ms in his pockets and just munching on that shit like an idiot the whole damn movie. But it, and it never comes up. It's never, like, it never makes a difference in the movie uh-huh. at all. The only no. time he passes yeah. out is when he's making a speech. He's like, oh, time to make a... <laughs> yeah, it, it's, it, only, <laughs> it only plays in when it's just, like, a convenient way to get them out of an air, a part of the story. So, you know... Yeah, towards the end when he's giving that speech over the uh, the loudspeaker and he passes out and he needs to eat the sucker that he find, finds on the floor. Like it, it's just it's just something they pull out whenever it's convenient. It's it's not essential to his character at all. Right, and it never comes up during like a crucial action sequence or something. It's just, it's, you would think it would be like something he has to overcome, but it's not at all. And they don't even execute the gag ever. Like you could make this a running gag that's dumb. It's still a fucking gag that works, and they just they don't commit to the gag. It's just like there's something they bring up like twice a movie. It's one of my major problems with the second one, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Same thing. They well, they use it literally once, 
and it's clear that it is put in there just so they can have some tension finally. Mm-hmm. Um, he mentions it towards the beginning of the film when he's checking in the hotel. He's like, oh, no thanks, I'm hypoglycemic in this fucking Kevin James voice. And then um, when he's going to rescue his daughter, he's running and he just passes out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, yeah, he, but- and some guy's like melty ice cream cone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. The, the whole story, going back to Paul Blart 1, is just, it's so, you can't even say it has plot holes because... There's more holes than plot, I suppose. <laughs> I mean, the the whole heist thing doesn't make any sense to me at all. So there's this thing where, you know, Paul Blart's at the mall and he starts playing video games. And while he's playing video games in this little arcade... Uh, first, of all, is, first of all, though, why would he even play the video games? Because his entire, like, his character is completely contingent on being someone who's, like, super safe and doesn't go outside the lines. Yeah, a, well, yeah, that's a very good point to begin with. But, you know, for whatever reason, he decides to play games, and then while he's playing games, uh, a bunch of criminals take over the mall and kick everybody out, and the SWAT team shows up. Now, I'm not a criminal mastermind, so correct me if I'm wrong. Why wouldn't you just break into the mall at night when no one is there? Wouldn't that be a lot easier? Couldn't you do the exact same thing? Like, what's what's the purpose of, of breaking in while there's still people? Is it is it so you're... Your BMX gang can do cool tricks. See, I, I I'm like more confused than you are. Like, what in the hell is the plot? Like, they're somehow gonna get thirty million dollars. Like, I have no concept of what the fuck the villains in Paul Blart One are trying to do. <laughs> yeah. They're robbing a fucking mall to get some sort of like glowy codes off guys' arms to get thirty million dollars. Where the fuck is the thirty million dollars? It has something to do with like credit card machines, which I didn't know you could just rob a like a point of sale system. That doesn't make any sense to me. It was I was just baffled by what the fuck was supposed to be happening in this movie. I guess I like that's the, the, it was just a I, I didn't think I would be lost in the plot of Paul Blart Mall Cop. But you know, <laughs> I, I think they just I think they just went to do parkour. Yeah, I, I, yeah, that that seems that's a big part of it too because this isn't just any normal bank robbing group because uh, the movie has no visual flair or anything that's you know interesting on screen at any point in time. So to compensate for this, um, all of the villains are like straight out of the '80s. This whole movie feels like it's straight out of the '80s. The fact that like a mall is relevant, you could even steal thirty million dollars from a mall in this day and age is a little bit shocking. But yeah, yeah. All, all of the villains are doing parkour and riding BMX bikes and rollerblading, and none of it makes any sense. I don't know why they're doing these things. Jesus Christ. My favorite, part, my favorite villain part, though, is when the gay kid from Wedding Crashers goes, it gets better. I'm the boss. <laughs> <laughs> okay, again, again, I made this point with Val Johnson, who would cost them literally zero dollars, <laughs> but, uh, but I, I mean, you're making a Die Hard parody. Uh, a Kevin James is kind of the wrong choice, but Schlubby Die Hard should not be that difficult to execute. You can go no. simple with this, and whatever. It be like I, Fat McGruber. See what I was, what I was, could not help picture, like especially since Paul Blart is such a loathsome fellow. Uh, I was like, what? You know, this would be like a good like Rowan Atkinson vehicle. He could pull off all the physical comedy much better. Than He's Kevin done an archaleptic before. Yeah, and he's also he's also if you see Blackadder, pretty good at uh, playing a, a loathsome fellow. And uh, yeah, it, it just seemed like a real jotty English situation. But uh, 
beyond that, say you're gonna, you've got, I think it was like twenty-six million dollar budget or something like that, uh, and half of it had to be used on licensing classic rock dad songs. Uh, mm-hmm. They did which, it for the second one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Which, which, but be, if you're gonna do this diehard parody, another man who's kind of slumming these days, that would be the ultimate coup that would make this movie instantly watchable would be. Why don't you just throw some money at old Alan Rickman? <laughs> yeah, that, I, yeah, I don't know. What the fuck is Alan Rickman doing right now? Not much. Watching his uh, bank account dwindle. I, <laughs> yeah, I mean, he was in Harry Potter, but beyond that, he's like he's taking a lot of like lower roles. You could just throw money at it, or Jeremy Irons, maybe. Just one of these like diehards <laughs> doing shows, and they they would they would take him or his twin brother. Yeah, uh, imagine how much better the movie is if all of a sudden, like, Hans Gruber is taking over this fucking podunk mall. <laughs> yeah, I think I think it would work a lot better. And you could still appeal to, you know, this audience that just wants to see a schlubby cop movie, but you'd have kind of that subtext that makes it a little more watchable and a little more fun uh, with a few more in-jokes. Uh, but right. no, it doesn't do that. It's just like the idea of Alan Rickman, by the way, refreshing his like bank account feed online. <laughs> <laughs> like every, every minute, just, oh no. <laughs> oh. What do you mean I've overdrafted? <laughs> oh, no. God damn it, didn't I call and clear this up? I just want He's to pay spells. He's trying to cast spells to get it to detail. I'm trying to order dominoes. <laughs> How will yeah. I get my stuffed jalapeno cheese bread? <laughs> besides the, besides like the big, so the side stuff on Paul Blart One. Can we talk about that for a bit? Like besides the high stuff, um, uh, I think I think there's plenty to talk about with uh, the the guy who sells cell phones. Um, the the you know who I'm talking about? Is that what he did? Sell cell yeah, phones? pensive Indian man. <laughs> no, 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 no. Oh, sorry. No, the the um. The pen the salesman? Yeah, pen oh, salesman. Pen salesman, yes. The pen salesman who um is evident that like the makeup budget on this film had to have been like less than hundred and fifty dollars. Why? Because he's got um, like skin like a fourteen year old boy, is that <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and, and uh that whole scene in what was uh a Ruby Tuesdays lookalike or whatever mm-hmm. where uh, <clears throat> uh the titular Blart um is drinking lemonade. He doesn't drink, um, and he drinks lemonade and says, man, this lemonade's insane. And then they pursue to treat margaritas as if it's dropping acid. Oh, yeah. yeah that was kind of <laughs> weird. That was really weird. It was actually, it was, it was almost reminiscent of the karaoke scene in The Cable Guy. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> but it was just like, he just drank a pitcher of mar- margaritas. And I don't care if the man, he's like, oh, I never drink. It's like, well, you're clearly 300 fucking pounds uh, I think if you if you chug a pitcher of margaritas, you're you're gonna be fine, for the right. most part. Uh, it was kind of weird. It's kind of a weird thing. <laughs> I don't know that movie. Jesus Christ! There was just so many things like, I, you know, I I didn't laugh the entire time. I was trying to remember after I watched both movies, I was trying to think, you know, did I smile? Did I even smile? But most of the time, I just kind of had my head cocked to the side like a confused puppy just trying to, like, figure out. Trying to parse out those uh, villains' <laughs> plots for pulling 30 mil from the old mall. From the, Yeah, from the... I don't, I don't understand. There was a minute... There was a minute in the beginning of the uh, the first one where they're at, like, the breakfast table where Paul Blart gives a delivery that was pretty good. I chuckled at that. 
Um, but we're not in the like, second one. But I think I got like a laugh out of the second one. But we'll get into. I, this oh, oh, well, we can talk about that in a, in a in a bit. I I think I probably laughed more than all of you guys combined. But um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, threshold. The, the thing the thing I did like about Blart one, um, even though it feels a whole lot for for a movie that made a lot of money, it feels a lot like a straight to DVD movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I like that um, once it turned into this uh, drama, I guess, or, or you know, like once the suspense started filling in, um, it still maintained laughs here and there. Like it didn't completely go off the the rails of. I mean, by laughs, I mean it. It was trying to be humorous, not actual laughs. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. So it does a decent job of maintaining like jokes um, and tone. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it does that better, but I was just, I was just really happy that it didn't just, okay, like, you know, like a lot of like 90s movies that I watched, 90s PG movies that I watched as a kid where once it turns into suspense, it just stays that way. Yeah, I think, I think that's true. That's definitely true. Um, yeah, it, it tries sometimes. It tries. <laughs> well, I, I mean, Kevin James, say what you will about him. He's, he's committed to this role. Like, the, the, he does a lot of like, Painful physical comedy. In <laughs> yeah, I, it's just you know the the whole movie. I you can almost excuse a movie like this where the plot is kind of wishy washy if you have a strong central actor who can kind of carry the movie. But I think Happy Madison Production has the utmost faith in Kevin James, and he just he can't shoulder a movie like this. Like it's almost like Adam Sandler thinks he's the Daniel Day Lewis of shitty comedies i i don't <laughs> like, like the, just that his character because he's so compelling on screen can just carry this nonsensical plot and it just it does not work it's it's almost embarrassing well yeah, yeah. like we if we doubled back to king of queens real quick he's kevin james is like pretty good at playing like the the relatable every man like you you like his character in king of queens and it it's totally the opposite of paul blart it's like he's just Especially in the sequel, but in the in the first one too, he's he's just a he's not just a schlub. He's like a loathsome schlub. He's yeah. You, you don't root for his success. He's a creepy weirdo asshole. <laughs> yeah, well, and, and that's the thing. The movie clearly wants to sympathize with Paul Blart character as we you know laugh and feel sorry for him and and hope that he succeeds. But really, I just want him to fucking go away. I don't want him to succeed. No. At all. I want I, I want him to get I want him to get shot by one of the the BMX villains. And one more thing on the BMX villains. Now, again, correct me if I'm wrong here. Were there more extreme sports vehicles than guns brought to the mall by these villains? Because I only recall like one or two pistols and several skateboards. This, so I don't. This is one instance where the sequel clearly improves, where they actually present danger in some sense, <laughs> rather than like, and hey, look, parkour. I'm like, fuck you, fuck danger you. parkour. <laughs> Plus, wasn't what weren't X Games? Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Weren't X Games like big in like the early aughts, not not 2009? Yeah, I, I think that's that's probably correct. It was. I feel like the Segway jokes were a bit dated, even in the first movie as well. But yeah, and again, yeah. that goes back to the idea of. You know, Kevin James and Adam Sandler sitting around and and thinking that Kevin James is the Daniel Day-Lewis of comedy and can carry these things, and they just go, let's just do a bunch of fat guy and a Segway joke, because that's funny physical comedy that you can do and will be great. No, that doesn't work like that. 
He's not. So, uh, after Paul Blart, he went to like work on screen with uh, Adam Sandler, I guess, well, more than he did with Zohan. Has anybody seen the Grown Ups movies? I, I have not taken that dive. Uh, <laughs> it was not part of my show recently. Although I think no. Steve did watch a uh, Adam Sandler Kevin James pairing. I did. I uh, yeah. I rewatched. I now pronounce you Chuck and Larry. Where okay, uh, so that was before. That was so that came yeah, uh, pre grown ups. Yeah, that's that's pre grown ups. So how was that? Uh, abysmal. It's actually one of the worst movies I've ever seen. It's just as bad, if not worse, than the Blart movies. It's top-tier, horrible, happy Madison shit. Um, when Adam and I were in college, we actually we watched it. I don't know why we watched it. There well, had to be it, some reason. There was. Uh, I, I don't really know the specifics, but I do recall us referring to it as the Chuck and Larry Challenge. I think we were uh, challenging <laughs> ourselves to finish the movie for some reason. Yeah, it was some sort of some sort of marathon thing and then uh, we we tried to get other people to sit through it and no one could really do it. It's it's not a watchable movie at all. Um also yeah, it, it just goes back to how insensitive and dumb and insular Adam Sandler and his buddies are. Like it's incredibly insensitive towards gay people and it's also really kind of rapey in a lot of ways. Like, there's this whole scheme where Adam Sandler is just trying to bang Jessica Biel and then just, like, watches her get naked because she thinks he's gay and doesn't like boobs or something. Like, that's this big gag in the movie, and, and that's a, that's that's fine. And it's just, yeah, it's it's kind of creepy and, and rapey throughout. Sort of like Paul Blart is at times. Not pleasant. Not pleasant. <laughs> no, it is that. These are the kind of guys they want us to root for. Yeah, I want the... the Creepy molester men to get these uh, beautiful yeah. movie stars. That's just guys who are like lying to women at every turn and then like peering at them from behind objects in a mall. <laughs> yeah, again, you could recut footage from Paul Blart and then set it to like the music from Lost Highway or something, and it'd be a horror film trailer. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that that scene you're referring to in Chuck and Larry also occurs in a. A shopping mall. <laughs> it's just lots of like leering at women in changing rooms and stuff. Yeah, <laughs> I've, seen, I've seen probably like the first ten or fifteen minutes of Grown Ups, and, and I'm sure from the trailers we can all discern that um, it continues his his typical persona. I mean, he plays like the fat guy alongside the skinny guy who makes like all of the scatological jokes come out. And yep, that's all it is: blue collar schlub making poop jokes. Um, but after Grown Ups, uh, he did Dilemma, which I watched, or I should say rewatched, because I remember renting it with my parents. Ron, I don't even know so, what that is. It's Ron Howard. Yeah, Ron Howard and Vince Vaughn. And what? Opie? Yeah. Wait, so Ron Howard um, directed it, which explains why Clint and um, his brother are in it. Um, and this is a weird movie. It's not. It's not good. But um, Kevin, it's a weird movie in terms of Kevin James's uh, canon. Um, he is a completely straight guy. Like, I mean, straight as in he plays the straight man. Uh, okay. That wasn't a reference to Chuck and Larry. Uh, <laughs> so, He's also a straight guy, but you'd never know it. Hey. Um, <laughs> so uh, Vince Vaughn is really the one that's, uh, that's on... Um, on screen most of the time, and it's his movie. But uh, so it's a PG-13 movie that kind of wants to be an R movie or would be better as an R movie. 
Um, but his performance, like as like the non schlubby fat guy who's making stupid mistakes, um, it really makes me think that he needs to to like run as fast as he can away from Happy Madison projects. I mean, not that we didn't already know that, but um, he's good in this movie. Like, I wish he was in it more um, because like his faults don't rely on his weight and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, so I, I would really like to see him in like an R movie that's like well written. Yeah, that doesn't shock me. I, again, I'm not like gonna trumpet King of Queens to the hills or something, but it's a, uh, it's not a bad show, and he's he's very likable in it as opposed to what he's done with his Happy Madison stuff. It's just like God, you just want to like every character he plays is just like a horrible misogynist fuck who you're supposed to root for, but no one ever would because he's such a miserable bastard. No, except for apparently the, you know, right-wing working-class audience that they're just sort of pandering to, which I, I guess, I don't know. It's it's weird. There's a lot of there's a lot of questionable, I mean, just gender stuff, race stuff, all kinds of just uncomfortable things. Yeah. A lot of really uncomfortable things in Happy Madison movies. And this is actually something that's going on right now. Uh, Adam Sandler is filming I don't know what the fuck he's filming. Some movie where he makes fun of Native Americans, apparently. Oh, yeah. Uh, and he had a bunch of, like, actual, like, Native people on set as paid extras or whatever, and they had a few lines. And they ended up all walking off the set because they had to do this this segment where Adam Sandler is talking to some Native American woman. He's just like, how would I put my PP on your TP? Like, that's the actual line. Right. And they all just walked off. Like, someone actually wrote that. When I was six years old, I would not write the line, I put my PP on your TP. I feel like the, not just Native Americans walked out. Just, like, the entire fucking crew was like, that's it. I'm that's his, done. Uh, it's his first film for uh, Netflix, by the way. It's the uh, Ridiculous Six. So I wonder uh, if Netflix is going to, like, do some sort of damage control there. Or maybe, He's making uh, films for Netflix? God damn it. I well, Sony isn't exactly happy with him. Did you see those leaked emails? No. They're not, yeah, so basically the Sony executives were like, Jesus Christ, can we make Adam Sandler stop making movies? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I thought maybe there's some new ones, but, yep. So, after the dilemma uh, was Zookeeper. Which, Myros, ah, you saw. Yeah, tell us about Zookeeper. I did. I feel like I got the whole Blart experience because Zookeeper is the only other... It's the only non-Blart movie written with Kevin James... Uh, ball Plart Regular. Zookeeper. Regular uh, <laughs> Ball Plart. <laughs> good, good work there. Uh, ball yeah. Shark Cod Blops. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> It was written with his regular Paul Blart writing partner, uh, Salem the Cat, uh, Nick Bakai, who, who you may know from like shitty, uh, comedy gambling segments from Sports Center circa like 2000, uh, or as Salem the Cat from Sabrina the Teenage Witch, which he brought that same sort of, uh, clever <laughs> animal yapping to, uh, <laughs> to the Kevin James vehicle Zookeeper, which, Again, is, is I probably I found it. Scouted, less. I think Kevin James scouted him from the this. The cat. <laughs> <laughs> That's quite possible. This guy knows how to ride an animal. These are like some serious sitcom juggernauts here. Uh, 
Yeah, I I don't know. Like I having seen the trailer for Zookeeper, I was dreading it more than any of these other movies. I was just like, oh my god, what the fuck is this? Uh, but in general, it's it's just kind of inoffensive, uh, standard boilerplate rom com stuff where Kevin James has to choose between two beautiful women who want him for some reason and uh, then some animals talk to him. There's not like a, an inciting incident either. So like he had a head injury and now he can talk to animals. It's just like, no animals talk. He's just like but, fucking uh, Aquaman? Is that you just... No, no, they talk. They can talk to anyone. They just choose to only talk to Kevin James. Oh, they, okay. They're hiding their ability to talk to all humans. So it's like Kevin an elephant James whisperer. Is, well, Kevin James is just such a nice guy that the animals have to to interfere in his life and uh, tell him how to land the girl. Land uh, the girl, keep the zoo. But they, he lands the wrong girl and then decides on the right girl and blah, 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 blah. And it's, I bet they're uh, both incredibly attractive too, right? Oh, they well, one of them is Rosario Dawson, which is the one he ends up with, which is like, Jesus fucking Christ, could we <laughs> make a more like perfect uh, woman for him to... Land. Which how the hell did Rosario Dawson suddenly get like typecast in that sort of role where it's like, hey, you're an attainable woman for a fat schlub. It's like, hey, remember Clerks too? Uh, that made me fucking puke in my mouth. So let's do that again <laughs> with Zookeeper. <laughs> the thing I the thing I like about Zookeeper and Dilemma, the posters are the most atrocious atrociously photoshopped version of Kevin James. You should check him out. <laughs> so like a I six will. pack or something. <laughs> <laughs> Just his face. His face looks like completely plastic. That's weird. The, uh, the, I don't know. I guess the strong point of uh, Zookeeper is I, there's a lot of bad voice acting, like Stallone and Adam Sandler is probably the worst. He plays some capuchin monkey and just does like the oh. most stereotypical like shit heel Adam Sandler, like yeah 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 yeah. Uh, all he does is talk about how he has thumbs. He's like, I have thumbs. I'm better than you. Ah. And then... Uh, <laughs> yeah, I like a good thumb joke. That always gets me rolling. He probably he didn't even do that for the movie. They probably just recorded him <laughs> rambling one night. <laughs> <laughs> you know why I, people like Happy Madison? Because we all have thumbs. I guess... Relatable. Like, <laughs> It's kind of like Nick Nolte does the like gorilla, which probably gets the bulk of the voice acting stuff, and that's that's for the best because it's Nick Nolte and it's just kind of amusing because he's like, I'm Nick Nolte, <laughs> and yeah, it's okay until they like jam this this movie probably has the worst product placement I've ever seen in my life. Like it, it beats Man of Steel's IHOP disaster by uh, by a mile because. Nick Nolte's gorilla is like, eh, I really want to check out this uh, TGI Fridays. It sounds like a great restaurant. So, uh, they just fucking go to TGI Fridays for like uh, 15 minutes of the movie. Commenting <laughs> on the mozzarella sticks and potato have some skins. Fucking hot apps. <laughs> it's uh, <laughs> appalling. <laughs> Well, you know, I, I am. I'm looking at the Zookeeper poster right now, and Sean is 100% correct. It looks like, in the poster at least, that Kevin James has been laying off the hot apps. He seems to be a trim, like muscular 180 with the face of Brad Pitt. <laughs> He's got like a square jaw. Check out the dilemma now. 
Jeez, see, you did call him 300. I'd have to, I'd have to disagree with you on that because Kevin James is a solid like five foot two. If he weighed 300 <laughs> pounds, he'd be like fucking job of the huts. <laughs> yeah, he looks the same. He has the same body proportions as Vince Vaughn in the in the poster for the dilemma. So, well, it's interesting that something. you guys bring this up. I mean, obviously he was photoshopped, but he was losing a lot of weight during this period in preparation for his role in Here Comes the Boom. Oh. Yeah, what oh, you saw. Segway. I did, yeah. <laughs> tell, tell me about Here Comes the Boom. Well, it's... James, uh, Roland. It, it, it's been a while since I've seen it. Um, but uh, he plays a high school biology teacher. It's in this inner city school. It's a public school, so they're running low on funds. And he's just sort of like a, this lazy teacher and doesn't really like what he's doing. He's a failed collegiate wrestler or something like that. And... Uh, the school high school's music teacher, played by Harry Winkler. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> Milwaukee reference. <laughs> How about that, Fonz? Um, <laughs> uh, he's in jeopardy of losing his job because of you know budget cuts, and uh, they need to raise, I believe it's like fifty thousand dollars for him to keep his job. And all of a sudden, Kevin James's character is like, oh, how, the, how am I going to come up with $50,000? And he's like sitting at his buddy's house one day watching UFC. And uh, I even remember from the trailer, there's that one moment where, you know, like in every movie, there's that moment where somebody's like inspired to do that one thing. They're sitting around watching UFC and they're just like pointing at the screen going, oh! But then there's like a tight close-up of him pointing going, oh! And then you realize, oh, he's going to become a UFC fighter to raise money for Harry Winkler, Henry Winkler. Sure. I mean, that's that that would be my first thought if, and if I was mean, working at a school that was low on money. And in the meantime, he's trying to fuck uh, Selma Hayek. What the fuck? Again? <laughs> Jesus. Yes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Selma Hayek. Jesus yep. fucking Christ. And in a polite and goofy way, and she actually winds up helping him train for this UFC fight. And he gets in the cage in Vegas, and all the kids come to watch him get his ass kicked. And just as he's about to lose, and like the fighters saying, "Like you don't deserve to be here," um, <laughs> he uh, has a second wind, and he's inspired by all the kids in the audience, and uh, he winds up winning fifty grand. He wins uh, this fight. He's never cage fought once in his life, but you know, and he kisses uh, Salma Hayek through the chain link fence. Oh, wow, geez. that's that's, that's touching. That's touching. Oh my God! Well, I guess we should probably talk about the uh, the coup de gras here of our fabulous Blart cast. Um, so, Paul Blart Mall Cop: The Original was released in 2009, and because there is no God in 2015, <laughs> uh, also known as uh, 6AB, which is of course six after Blart, we have <laughs> Paul Blart Two. <laughs> Also, Mall Cop, but not this time. Uh, my favorite Kevin James movie. More like Casino Cap, I guess. Yeah, it's kind of like Casino. Um, now, this movie, I, I watched, I woke up early. My, I had the worst Friday of my life. Um, I woke up early. I rolled out of bed. I immediately began watching Paul Blart 1, and then as soon as Paul Blart 1 was done... I hopped on the bus, and I rode the bus 20 minutes to the mall, and then walked into Paul Blart 2. So I saw them back-to-back, as I imagine, you know, was intended, right? Yeah. I'm surprised they didn't do a double feature with Paul Blart 1 and 2, like they're doing with the Avengers and Age of Ultron now. And it was, it really dawned on me that 
more now than ever, Happy Madison is just it's it's a series of half baked ideas and their scripts are sort of filled in like mad libs and they can do whatever they want because Adam Sandler has enough clout and enough of a track record of recouping money and he has this uncanny ability to get an insane amount of product placement. So I can't imagine there's a lot of overhead costs here. And this might be the ultimate example of that. I know you mentioned The Zookeeper, but this movie is basically a, a – I mean, it's a Paul Blart movie, but it's also a commercial for the Wynn Casino and Hotel in Las Vegas. And the Sony <laughs> Sony smartwatch. Yeah, and, and yeah, Sony oh, everything. God. I thought that was going to get worse, but that one shot was enough to make me want to die. It was like, whoa, my watch. Oh, let me check the old watch room. It's like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> it, is just, it is unbelievably bad. And they really, they really take time. Like, every establishing shot is just like a sweeping infomercial for the Wind Casino. Uh, the worst is probably <laughs> towards the end where he does this, like, zipline thing to the other side of the casino, and it's just this, like, this crane pan of, of the Vegas skyline, and then just, like, this zoom on, on the win logo on the side of the building. It's, oh, my God. And then the owner of the Wynn Casino is actually in the movie. Yes, and Steve Wynn. There's an entire segment where their, you know, their famed uh, live Vegas show is just shown almost in full with Paul Blart flailing around in the middle of it, and it's just, it's... Abysmal. It is atrocious. Can I, can I be the uh, uh, hot take contrarian? Um, and I swear I'm not a plant for the podcast, but I maybe I was just going in with colossally low expectations, but I'm not lying when I think that this is the best Kevin James movie. All um, right, state your case. State your case. Yeah, yeah, I got plenty. I <clears throat> first of all, um, so I, I went this morning at 10 a.m. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Damn, nothing like starting your morning with a cup of Joe and Kevin James. Holy fuck! And uh, um, I was expecting a bunch of kids, but they were all at the new like Disney Monkey movie. Um, and uh, I w- it, it was like there weren't that many people there as you might expect, but um, I was getting looks whenever I was chuckling, <laughs> which isn't, isn't usually to be expected in a in a comedy, but. Um, <clears throat> So here, here are some some jokes that I liked, and you guys can tell me if you agree or not. Uh, okay. First of all, in the beginning, the milk truck kills his mom. I thought that was that was kind of a risky thing. Um, yeah. If not no. simply convenient for the film, but yeah. Yeah, okay. I, I'm gonna go ahead and disagree on that one. Yeah. So far, we're okay. For <laughs> okay, one for me. Uh, um, I think the the Ferrari Segway gag was good. So he was on the Segway and. They firmly planted the Ferrari, the orange Ferrari or whatever it was, in the background, and you constantly were thinking that he was going to run into it and you know make a fool of himself. It was there, just daunting you for the whole two minutes, and then he gets hit by another car. I, yeah, that's I called the old uh, fatty fall down, go boom, bait and switch. Bait and switch, it was. Um, I thought. Uh, the, when he punches the maid at the end, I thought that was kind of funny. Um, she says, "No, it's uh, it's not your fault. I startled you." Um, <laughs> Don't worry, the paint's distracting me from my arthritis. <laughs> that, that was not bad. That was not bad. Okay, and I think the thing that I was laughing the most at was uh, the bird fight. Um, 
So I was dreading I was dreading this scene where what is it a peacock um, that comes out to fight him in this courtyard. And yeah, big I, big focus of the trailer. Yeah. Okay. So I didn't see the the trailer, but um, I was dreading it because uh, reason number one why I, I wouldn't be able to watch Zookeeper. I can't stand like animal stuff in movie in like PG comedies. It's the worst. But sure. Um, the thing that they did to spice the scene up was have that guy ridiculously playing the piano. Uh, and they just they just kept cutting to him being like more flamboyant as it went on. I don't know that worked for me. Uh, it kind of worked for me too, I'll say. Although the one the one joke that landed for me was uh, that uh, schlubby old man who's like a happy Madison fellow. Uh, <laughs> when they showed up for their final fight and he was just wearing that cape and they're like, "Why are you wearing a cape?" And he's like, "I was in the middle of a haircut." I, I don't know. That that hit for me. I, I thought it was like, funny, too. Ah. And, when, and when he fell asleep, uh, when he fell asleep during the speech, and this is a good example of um, what I liked about the uh, a better articulation of what I liked about the movie, um, is that it uh, it is much more self-aware than the first one, um, and, and it's more self-aware than most, or it's smarter than most Happy Madison movies. Um, so it, like... It's praising his profession at, at the same time that it's ridiculing it, but in kind of a smart way that I didn't expect. Um, so, like, when he's giving this cheesy speech, like, it, it always does a good job of under, undercutting that um, pretty subtly. Like, um, you know, everybody's, like, happy, and then it just cuts to that guy, like, asleep, uh, which, as I explained it, it just sounds really dumb. I thought that that was a meta reference for the, uh, like, he's an audience surrogate. Yeah, that's how I felt. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, and there was that meta stuff with the, what was it? Oh, shoot. Oh, the, the, foreign, the foreign dude who did security. There's some meta joke about fat guy humor that he, was, he, he like, referenced. Um, oh, yeah, he said, like, fat people use humor for affection. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um. But yeah, I don't know. Uh, I mean, well, I hate the thing. The thing that I hate about these movies is how it tries to make you feel bad for him when really, like, we should be caring about other characters in the movie. Kind of like uh, the Garden State montage. Yeah, oh, it's intense. Yeah, unsuccessful at making you feel bad for him too. I'm like, I, well, I, no, yes, ag- agreed. But I just mean like the 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 politics of that. Like, uh, it sure. just feels very yeah, uh, um, un or indecorous, but. Um, yeah, that weird time-lapse crying shot. What was that? Garden State is a good way of talking about it. I don't know. Well, and you you said you said that this is smarter than the average Happy Madison movie, but can we at least all agree that it, it's still like paint chip eating dumb? Oh yeah, like the I, again, it's it almost sounds like uh, Sean and I kind of enjoyed the movie. I would I don't know about Sean, but I did not enjoy the movie at all. It just was like. It was an improvement on yeah. what I had seen prior. That doesn't yeah, I, I think the text message you sent me said, um, uh, definitely liked it better than Paul Blart 1, one star. Yeah, no, that's, <laughs> that's Well, I was reading reviews, like, like for instance, um, I mean, a lot of them came out, like, somebody aggravated, or not aggravated, um, aggregated, like, the bad reviews, um, but the the RogerEbert.com review started out something like, "Think about the worst movie you've seen. This is worse than that." So I was I was like expecting like Identity Thief. I was expecting worse than Identity Thief, which like makes me angry. No. Uh, this 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 kind of made me a little bit happy. 
I, I was not happy. It just sort of like washed over me. Uh, when I got home, Amanda asked me, you know, oh, you know, how do, how do you feel? What was it like? And I was just like, I just, I, I feel like I've been holding a, a big weight all day. And I was just like kind of shifting it between arms. So even that little bit of relief just put stress on other parts of my body. It was, I, I was not happy. Well, like it's... Zipster talk. His comment on zip. Oh, oh yeah, uh, that, yeah. That was, that was something. That's hipster talk. Yeah. It, I mean, again, if you're watching a movie like Paul Blair 2 and it washes over you without making you angry, that's a success for me. I must, like, what, I expect so to be furious. What happened to, I mean, I know the extra textual reason of why she didn't want to be in this one, but what happened to the relationship? How do they, how do they, um, she describe? divorced him after six days. Oh, okay. Understandable. See, okay, so that's what I mean by it kind of subverts that that thing where he just gets every woman that he wants. Um, which I mean, the, in the end of Paul, Paul Blart one, like that's pretty egregious. That like she just like is almost obligated to be handcuffed to him and, and walk away. But uh, well, he still does get every woman that he wants because by acting like a complete horse's ass to that uh, that beautiful woman who runs the casino. She, of course, falls madly in love with him because he's Paul Blart. And the but, only reason he doesn't end up with her is because he resists her advances. And that's funny. Says, like, that's why, that's, I, but I like that. I think that fits in because it's like, uh, most, most of these other movies, like, that's who he wants and he gets. And it's like the person that he doesn't want that, that wants him and then, um, it doesn't work out. But, and then he wants the security, or not the security officer, but the, the woman on the horse, the officer on the horse at the end. Um, and all I can say is I hope that that was making way for a third one. Oh God! Um, so we can do our second annual Bartcast. But uh, I I just like the idea of these Bart movies continuing, like his existential crisis of loneliness, where he just meets a woman at the end of each movie, and then at the beginning of the next one, she dumps him. Well, I did I did kind of like that. I mean, this was not a not Rosario Dawson on the horse here, so uh, it was like a more Kevin James, well, I mean, Kevin James, who's not a millionaire, uh, Kevin James, who's working as a mall cop, uh, appropriate woman on the horse. But I, I almost thought we were going to get through the whole movie without that trailer shot of the fucking CGI horse kick. And, and then it had to come in at the end. I was like, oh, I thought that was going to be like a cutting room thing. I thought I the CGI yeah, goo was worse. Oh, Jesus. The glue gun. <laughs> Again, though, it was like a more traditional, like, smart writing. Not, not smart writing, but, like, logical writing than Paul Blart 1, where they, like, introduced all these gadgets and then, like, incorporated them in later in the, the movie. Oatmeal? Yeah. Sure, sure. Well, and, and one thing I will say about Paul Blart 2, as much as I hated it, and as much as I was suffering from Blart fatigue by the time it ended, um, it really felt like Paul Blart 1 was just your typical Happy Madison half-baked idea. It was sort of like the rough draft version, and then Paul Blart 2 was the same script, but they just switched some locations and sort of refined the formula a little bit. Uh, so I suppose it succeeds in that way. Steve, you specifically mentioned to me in a text that Paul Blart 2 actually made you, like, like angry. Uh, could you, do you want to talk about your, your feelings here, your, your emotions as you blarted the other day? Yeah, well, um, for those curious, live blarted. I did live blart on Twitter, and mm -hmm. um, I don't tweet that much, so it's pretty easy to find all the tweets from that day. Um, first of all, my experience: I went on a Tuesday afternoon at two o'clock for a matinee. Uh, there were six other people in the audience with me, 
in this gigantic theater that could probably fit at least 500 people. Um, and I could not tell if people were laughing or coughing, but nonetheless, the theater was dead silent 95% of the time. Yep. Uh, I think there were a few pratfalls that Kevin James had that elicited just a few chuckles. I don't know. I like to think that you were in the theater with a COPD support group, so... <laughs> <laughs> Maybe, um, but yeah, I, uh, I I went in kind of maybe my expectations weren't set low enough, but I kind of thought, well, this is clearly going to be terrible, but at least I'm going to have some fun here. And uh, it started out kind of fun tweeting about it, but then it just like it kept the movie just kept going and it wouldn't <laughs> stop. And I'm just, like, questioning everything about my life. Why am I here watching this? Why does this thing exist? Why is Kevin James popular? And I, in Sean, I mentioned, like, he felt that there was, like, a very, the movie was very self-aware. I agree, but I feel like it is self-aware in a very narcissistic level. And that it's kind of like poking the audience, saying, like, ha-ha, fuck you for watching this. You're going to keep watching it, and you're going to watch more of these. We know you're going to keep coming to see these. We don't, it doesn't need to be funny. We don't give a shit. So I kept thinking about that the whole time. I didn't laugh or smile once. Like, nothing made me laugh. Even the, uh, the gangs were all very expected, and uh, there was not one fucking joke in the movie. I swear to God, there wasn't one verbal joke in that movie. <laughs> I was actually offended by the fact that they kill his mother off right away. Um, I mean, it's kind of funny to see her be hit by a milk truck, but it's also just such a very cheap and easy gag. And I also got frustrated because, you know, maybe Kevin James or Happy Manson want Paul Blart to be a family-friendly character. Maybe they're trying to make a family movie. And that's totally fine. But when you're doing things like having Grandma get run over by a milk truck less than two minutes into the, to the film... That sort of takes away from the family-friendly aspect, and it's also not funny enough to make it this like teenage or adult demographic comedy. So what the fuck are you doing? Yeah, it's, they it's, made it just for me, baby. I, I, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, no, I I agree with you wholeheartedly, Steve. One hundred and ten percent. That's that's perfect summation of that movie. Uh, we are actually... Well, oh, go ahead. I know we're running a bit longer than we'd like, but uh, there's still one more <laughs> narrative I want to get to before we catch okay, up. Okay, all right. Bring which us would home. Be, which would be our, our 2009 uh, year of Paul Blart 1 uh, was, for, for whatever reason, Hollywood got a bug up their ass about uh, mall cops. Mm -hmm. There was also the competing mall cop film uh, starring Seth Rogen called Observe and Report, which I took this opportunity to revisit as well. And how was your time with that? Because that's another movie that I've definitely seen and know that I didn't like but don't remember anything about. Uh, it was interesting to revisit. Uh, I'm not a big fan of this uh, Jody Hill fellow. I, I don't really get his comedy. I don't know. It makes me feel a little off. But uh, it was a lot It was a lot better made film, that's for sure. Uh, and it was... Made for less money, it was, it had better actors, and uh, it just all in all, it was a better film than Paul Blart, which is not saying a ton, but uh, it was, it's just a really strange movie tonally. I'm not, I'm not entirely certain what 
the intent was. Uh, and there was a point towards the end where it, it almost really came together for me, and then it had this, like, tacked on jokey ending. Again, it almost felt like Blart in that way, where they just didn't know when to go with the humanizing element and when to sure, sure. to go with the uh, easy joke. Like, the, the end of the movie, which is kind of like this perverse, like, comedic taxi driver type thing. Uh, there's, like, the, the secondary girl who he's been ignoring the whole movie after he has his insane breakdown. Uh, basically, she just kind of kisses him, and it's, like, this sweet moment at the end of this really cynical, dark film, and it's nice. And it's like, okay, that's a, that's a nice ending. It's a nice note to end on. It kind of redeems this film to a degree, and... Um, then it doesn't end there. The, the, right in the middle of the kiss, this like flasher walks by and like waves his dick around, and and uh, there's like a ten minute chase scene where uh, Seth Rogen just shoots the flasher in the chest, and then and uh, yeah, takes him, carries him to the police station, and has him arrested in some sort of like weird validating male power fantasy. It's it's a very strange ending to a very strange movie, and uh, I don't think I'd really recommend it either, although it's uh, at least worth a watch because it's, it's an interesting at every turn. Fair enough. All right, so before we wrap things up, just, I guess, one sentence, one, one sentence to uh, sort of summarize your feelings on Food Cart Doll Mop. Uh, I would say <laughs> I had to resist the urge to like run out of the theater and I, I thought my eyes were going to start bleeding. <laughs> How about you, Myros? Uh, I, I was in the middle of a haircut. Sean? <laughs> it's not as bad as they say it is. He's a liar. Steve? <laughs> Go fuck yourself, Happy Madison. Fair enough. All right, so we're going to wrap things up. We're going to put things over. Myros, what are you putting over this week? I am putting over the definitive mall security film, uh, Chopping Mall. <laughs> <laughs> that is the that is the definitive. Uh, if, if we if we were making a you know a canon of great mall cop films, I think that would be the one to include. That's that's the one. It's uh yeah sleazy Jim Wynorski uh, '80s horror film about uh, robots run amok in uh in a shopping mall. So uh yeah, watch it. It's fun. It's Dumb as shit, but it's pretty great. Let's move on. Sean, what are you putting over? Yeah, um, I'm making. Uh, I've been trying to make sort of a re- uh, resolution to myself um, to um, tr- try and not forget about good music um, that I have. Um, it's sort of a bad habit of mine. So uh, Steve Coleman and I put up our Next Step Volume 2. It's on Shepard Express now, soon to be on the flagship Optimism Vaccine site. Um, and for that, I talked about um, Bjork's Medulla record, um, which is good in itself. But while I was doing that, I was just uh, I couldn't resist going back to earlier Bjork stuff. Um, and artists like Bjork, um, you know, they... She has a sound that's not exactly like a top 40 sound that you can like listen to every day. Um, so sometimes that turns into like never listening to it, but knowing it's good. Um, and so I was just having a lot of fun like going back to certain hits from Post and Homogenic 
um, and just realizing like how spectacular some of those songs are. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I don't know. That's what I'm trying to do. I I guess um, my putover is part Bjork, part just don't forget about good music that you used to listen to. Fair enough. Steve Coleman, what are you putting over? I'd like to put over Billy Gardell's Road Dogs. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> just kidding. Jesus Christ. Uh, actually, I would like to put over, this is a, uh online Minnesota magazine, and it is called L'Etoile. Mm. And let me spell it for you. That's L apostrophe E-T-O-I-L-E. And um, that is a French word for all my francophones out there. What does it mean? Uh, something. It means, uh, well, it's part of the it quote, I believe, l'étoile <laughs> du Nord, which is uh, something about how cool the North is, I believe. Um, I'm right. really sorry about that because I really want to plug these guys. Specifically, uh, they um, in the magazine there's this column called We Will Rock You, which is written by John Hunt, who's a local musician, local writer. And uh, I uh, really like his stuff, and it's very much in the same vein as like a lot of what we write at Optimism Vaccine. Um, I really appreciate his writing, and I hope to uh, plug him and maybe have him plug us someday. So, cool. Sounds awesome. Yeah. Uh, this week. Wait, 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 wait. Where do we get that? If we yeah, don't, where do we get that? that? That's a good question. That's at uh, the website etwall.com. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah. We How do you spell that? We provide a link, perhaps. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There I guess. That. <laughs> oh, that's cool. That's cool. Uh, this week I've been really busy. I've been working on my thesis a lot. I haven't had time to do anything particularly fun. So I recommend, after stressing yourself out, uh, getting drunk by yourself and listening to Billy Joel's The Stranger. Yes. <laughs> that's you a good that, that's That's the most fun I've had this week. Oh, but I will say, and I'm also, if you're in the Milwaukee area, I'm putting over a trivia night at Blackbird in Bayview. Um, we won the other night, and this is a magical bar. It's a dive bar with a bunch of pinball machines in it that they constantly rotate, so there's always... New pinball. Uh, on Thursday nights, not only do they have trivia, but it's buy one, get one free night for drinks. So you can spend about $12 and get hammered. In addition to that, when we won trivia, this is what we won. We won a six-pack of Lakefront Fuel Cafe, which is about, I don't know, $9, $10 normally. We won two other random Lakefront beers, a can of Pringles, a box of Whoppers, uh, a $15 gift card to Blackbird, which, I mean, that alone can get you pretty drunk. And and they gave us a full bottle of Great Lakes Distillery rum, which is like 30 bucks. That's ridiculous. So it's, it's, yeah, it's, it, was, it was quite the, uh, quite the haul. Very pleased. Yeah, that is, that is by far one of the best bars I've ever been to. Yeah, it's, it's top tier. If you're in Milwaukee, go to Blackbird. It's in Bayview. It's worth the drive. Uh, with that said... I will say, hey, if you're listening right now and you haven't rated and commented on our iTunes page, please do that. It increases our visibility. It makes us easier to search. It helps out a lot. So, yeah, uh, subscribe to us on iTunes. Rate us on iTunes. Write a review on iTunes. It helps us out. We also have a YouTube channel where you can check out my video review, my 60-second review of Unfriended, which was uh, it was horrible, <laughs> blart-level horrible, I would rather eat 
cold macaroni and cheese out of Kevin James' belly button than watch Unfriended again. <laughs> Just to give you an idea. So you can check that out on YouTube.com uh, backslash Optimism Vaccine. Uh, we also have an uh, article every week on Shepherd Express, which you can read on ExpressMilwaukee.com. And, hey, next week I've been told that there's going to be a cover story about the new online content on Shepherd Express, and that's going to be in the actual print paper, and there's going to be stuff about us. So you can read that, which is free. You can get the Shepherd Express for free if you live in the greater Milwaukee area. So check that out, too. And with that said, Steve, as always, you have the final word. Vienna waits for you, Steve. That was beautiful.